day of joy, but I also just want to recognise that for some people it's a day of, it's been a day of pain. I'm going to read out a prayer that I saw Pete Gregg from the 24-7 prayer movement had put on social media this morning. Lord, we pray for Sri Lanka in the horror of these attacks. May the reality of your resurrection today mean hope for the hurting, strength for the emergency services, wisdom for politicians, courage for Christians, peace for the nation, and life everlasting for those who have died. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Do take a seat. And actually, you know, the events and things that we see going around the world, in the world around us, actually, for me, they make it even more poignant, the story of the resurrection and what we're talking about um, this morning. Um, as it's Easter Sunday, we're going to look at the story of the empty tomb, of how Jesus, having been cruelly crucified on the cross um, and the events of Good Friday, how he was then buried in a borrowed grave, how he then comes back to life. He's resurrected. Oh, my notes are a bit blowy up here. Oh, we're on it. Thank you. For the whoosh away and had to do it from memory. Um, and you know what? Just to say, this is the best story ever told, isn't it? This is the best story. So if you're hearing the story of the resurrection for the first time this morning, you're welcome. If it's for the millionth time, you're welcome. I would love us to go on a journey this morning of exploring the story together as a community. Now, I've not always known what to make of this story, to be honest. You know, I became a Christian at the age of 14. And when I became a Christian, the church I went to, um, a lot was said to explain the significance of the cross. I felt like, from, you know, from the age of 14, I understood the events of Good Friday, um, that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I understood the overwhelming love that God showed when he put his son to die on a cross for us. I understood that. But I never really, if I'm honest, understood the significance of the resurrection. I remember growing up finding it strange that Easter Sunday was like the high point of the events of Easter, not Good Friday, when surely Good Friday was the central message of our faith. You know, surely Jesus' death on the cross was the climax of the story. And then I, at the age of 18, I took a year out and I was a youth worker, and I remember planning these sessions to go and do in a local school. And me and another youth worker were working together, and we were putting together these uh, lesson plans. And we were kind of explaining the gospel story. And we had, it's right from the beginning of creation, the story, God's story of reconciling all people to him. And we'd kind of planned out this story. And then I suddenly looked at our lesson plans and said to my fellow youth worker, it's funny because the last one is about the cross. We don't actually mention the resurrection. And he looked and, oh, yeah. And then he kind of thought for a second and he said to me, things you don't really need the resurrection as long as we talk about the cross. And I remember, to be fair, that summed up my thinking too. I was like, yeah, okay. Uh, but something in me thought, surely not. <laughs> surely we've missed something here. Surely this couldn't be right. You know, is the resurrection just a kind of a happy ending? after the, the gruesome events of Good Friday? You know, is it there to help us explain the, uh, the Easter story to our kids more easily? You know, can it just be left off the script if time doesn't allow? Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not questioning the centrality of the cross to our faith. You know, the cross is the image of the Christian faith. It's our central, um, our central image that Jesus died for our sins. But I've come to understand that the resurrection shows the fullness of what Jesus did on the cross the extent of the victory that has been won. And you, I've come to see you can't have one without the other. They are the same story. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead, Easter Sunday, is not just a happy ending to the events from Good Friday, but it is a victorious, triumphant beginning. 
And that's what I want to talk about this morning. It's a story of the kingdom breaking in, of God having the victory, a new story that we have the invitation to be written into ourselves. So we're going to read it, if we can. Um, John, uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 20. It's going to come up behind me as well. Starting at verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over, looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' uh, Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking she were, he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, in Aramaic Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. It's an amazing story, isn't it? I've put my Bible down. So I'm running out of room up here. It's an amazing story. If I had to sum up the resurrection story this morning in one word, we've already sang it. The one word I would use that I would want us to go out with our hearts singing this morning is the word victory. Victory, Jesus wins. That's the word of today. Heaven is celebrating. He has won. As we look at this story, as we look at this story this morning, it might be a familiar story. It might be a new story to you. But what I'd love you to see is how everything changes from the beginning of the story to the end. By the time we get to the end of those, those uh, verses where Jesus turns up with his disciples and says, peace be with you, everything has changed. Everything has been overturned. Everything has been transformed. Firstly, Jesus overcomes death with life. That's the first thing we see. The story starts with death. That is the, the kind of the... The aroma of the first few sentences, isn't it, is death, a cold tomb, a quiet garden, tears, grave clothes. The story reeks of death. That's where it starts. And it ends in life. Verse 14, Jesus is standing there. Mary, Mary doesn't, know who she, doesn't know who he is at first, but then she realizes, as he says her name, Mary. She recognizes 
recognizes him when he says her name and she cries out, teacher, she cannot believe it. Out of all the miracles she's seen Jesus do, this surely is the biggest miracle. The moment where heaven displays its greatest power. And there's Jesus in front of her. It starts in death and then it ends in life. Jesus has the victory. Jesus has the victory. From anxiety to peace, we see it starts in anxiety and ending in peace. You know, the the passage starts and it's full of confusion, isn't it? There's loads going on. Mary turns up. She sees this massive tombstone's been rolled away. She She runs, gets the disciples. They all run back. They look inside, all these kind of neatly folded grave clothes, which I love the fact that when Jesus rose from the dead, he then folded his clothes up. Love that. Thank you, Jesus. Makes me love you even more. Um, That's just how I'm made. I'm sorry. Um, But it's confusion, isn't it? And then Mary confuses Jesus for a gardener. It's all kind of, it's all, there's a whole load of confusion and chaos. And where there's confusion and chaos, there's also deep anxiety. You know, everyone is afraid. By the end of the story, we see the disciples and they're locked in a room and they've locked the door because Jesus' body has gone missing. They can see that. They've got reports that Jesus is alive, but they are aware that for the Jewish authorities who have murdered Jesus, that they're going to think that they've stolen the body to make it look like Jesus has come alive. You know, they, they they are frozen in fear, the disciples, in that moment. And then Jesus appears among them in verse 19 and says, Peace be with you. Peace. Now, it's not in the scope of of this passage, but as I was praying about it this morning, I kind of felt in that moment as well, I wonder if it's the beginning um, of Jesus um, reconciling himself with the disciples in that word peace. Later on, we see um, Jesus reinstates Peter, who has had a nightmare. You know, he he has denied Jesus when he said he wouldn't. And it's funny, this week, as as I've been looking at the story more, as we did the Monday, Thursday meals and looked at the Good Friday story and our reflections on Good Friday, just the thing that rung out to me was, Wow, the disciples got this wrong. Wow, they messed up. And not just because they're a bunch of you know, idiots, I'm not going to put that on them, because actually, that would have been a re- the, the scariest of times, wouldn't it? The, the events of Good Friday were terrifying. And in the moment, instead of having faith, they deny Jesus, all of them. And Jesus died utterly alone. They all had abandoned him. So if I were them and then Jesus turns up in the room, I think I might feel sort of scared, wouldn't you? Someone that you betrayed in their moment when you said you wouldn't, and there he is. And I felt that was a word for someone here this morning. If you're in the room here this morning and you're terrified of Jesus turning up in your life because you're scared of what he would say to you, that is not true. He comes and his message is peace to you this morning. It's reconciliation. Just as it was then, it is today. From anxiety to peace, Jesus has the victory. From death to life, anxiety to peace, Jesus has the victory. From old to new, this passage has parallels with, a, with a, an ancient story, a different story, with a very different ending. You know, this um, Easter story um, is, is reflecting a different story, another story. This is a story of two gardens with two different gardeners. Way back in the Garden of Eden, when God created the world, at the beginning of creation, we see God create man and call him Adam, which is just Hebrew for man. So God creates man, he calls him Adam. And then he puts them in the garden. Do you know Adam was the first ever gardener? Um, Genesis 2.15 says this, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Adam, the first ever gardener. And it was in this garden that Adam and Eve disobeyed God. It's in this moment, way back at the beginning of creation, that sin and death and darkness first entered the world in the moment that they rebelled from God. 
their relationship with God is irretrievably broken in that moment. And it's been the same since, until now, until a different garden, thousands of years later. A garden with a tomb and a new gardener, Jesus. It's funny, the, the story of Adam and Eve, it's, it's got, it starts with the tree of life. In the Garden of Eden, it's described how there was a tree of life there. But it ends in death and separation from God. This story starts with the tree of death, cross, and ends in reconciliation to God. It's the same story, completely reversed. God is doing, is, Jesus in this moment is rewriting the story over humanity. He is the new Adam, the new man, the new prototype for being human. And he is rewriting the story from old to new, a new story for all of humanity, a story of hope, of reconciliation, of living with a purpose of how we were made to be created, a life of destiny, purpose, freedom. If you need a new story over your life this morning, if the one that you've told yourself isn't working, if you need to know a new story, God is writing it. Jesus has written a new story in the resurrection. From old to new, Jesus has the victory. And finally, from grief to joy. You know, Mary's tears of grief, we see throughout the passage, don't they? They run throughout. Mary's crying. She's asked twice, why are you crying? She's crying. They run throughout the passage. You know, one can only imagine the depths of grief that the disciples were feeling on the morning of Easter Sunday. You know, this man that they followed, that they loved deeply, Jesus, you know, this magnetic, magnificent, holy, powerful, Um, kind, caring, compassionate man, Jesus, that just brought all people towards him, that people that that were declared sinners and outcasts from God, that they loved him. They saw something of the compassion and kindness of God in him, and they came towards him. They couldn't get enough of him. And then right before the disciples' eyes, his life has just been snuffed out like that. And the grief they would have felt in that moment, you know, for him, for their own lives, their own hopes and dreams, the calling they thought that God of Jesus had given them, which up to this point, they think has just died on the cross. You know, before they've seen the resurrection, for them, they've lost everything. You know, the time between his death on the cross and then this moment of resurrection would have been agony for them. And Jesus knew this. Jesus was so kind that actually before, um, before his death, he warned them of how agonizing these couple of days would be until he rose from the dead. He tells them about it earlier on in John's Gospel, John 16. Um, and he starts saying, you know, um, soon I'm going to leave you and then you won't see me for a few days, but you will see me again. And they have got no clue what he's talking about. And they start discussing it. And Jesus overhears them and he says this in verse 19, John 16:19. Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? And they're like, yes, that is exactly what we're talking about. And he says, very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. It's mostly true. (laughs) So with you, I'm not contradicting scripture there. Uh, So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. No one will take away your joy. And of course, he's right. The grief that they are feeling is replaced with joy. Verse 20, the disciple of of, uh, John 20, the disciples are overjoyed. They are full of joy when they see Jesus. 
From grief to joy, Jesus has the victory. He has the victory. In a moment, on that day, a trumpet sounds from heaven, declaring, the lion roars as we sung about. Jesus has the victory. And that's the story of that first Easter Sunday. And of course, it's our story too. Jesus has the victory. And we've been looking uh, in a sermon series, looking at the kingdom of God, you know, God's rule and reign, the moments um, on earth that we see where heaven breaks in, where God's will is done. And of course, we know that God has the victory. That's what we talk about when we see the kingdom, the moments where God has the victory on earth now. But we also know that we only see that in part. But we know that at the end, he will make all things right. That's the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. The resurrection is a statement of intent. It's a statement of intent that Jesus has started to restore everything and that one day he will complete this task. That's why it's a beginning. It's a victorious beginning. He has started to restore everything. He's in that process, but one day he will complete it. You know, some of you this morning, you'll be in the midst of darkness, of grief maybe in your life, confusion, anxiety, but his is the victory. Death will not have the last word. Again, we sang that this morning. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 55 says this, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us the victory. Death will not have the last word. One day there will be no more death, no more crying, no more pain, because he has the victory. He has had the victory. There is a room in your father's house for you. He has the victory. So we have new life to come, a new heaven for us, a new earth for us. But it's also our present reality now. It can be our present reality now as well. You know, new life is on offer here this morning. If you don't know Jesus in your life, if you want a new story over your life this morning, we would love to pray for you. New life can begin now. New life is available. Death no longer has the final word, and neither does fear or anxiety. We just read back in John 16, you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. Joy is the serious business, business of heaven. Joy is the currency of the kingdom. It's our currency as people living in the victory of the resurrection. Now think of a victory you've kind of recently witnessed in the normal world. It's potentially like a sporting victory. Maybe it was Tiger Woods winning the Masters last weekend. Maybe not. <laughs> just, just Matt. Maybe James, golfing fans in the room. Now I am by no means a sporting fan, shown by the fact that I originally wrote that he won the Open, but I hear it's the Masters that he won. Um, just to illustrate it. But I, so I'm not a sporting fan, but I am married to one. And um, I often say to Matt, you know, I, I, he can convince me to watch sport with him as long as he gives me the story. I'm like, tell me, what's the intrigue here? What's the battle about? What's the backstory? What's the challenge? What's being overcome here? If he can give me a story, then I'm in and I'll watch it. And he managed to convince me that there sure was one um, last weekend. And I watched the final 20 minutes of the golf. Oh my gosh, how I've changed. Oh. <laughs> um, I managed, I watched 20 minutes of golf and survived. And um, now I, didn't, I don't know all of Tiger Woods' story. I know the headlines of his personal life and disasters years ago. Um, but I've not followed him since. But I saw the moment where Ti Tiger Woods did his last putt of the time. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So many different terms in sport, aren't there? For the same thing. Uh, his final putt. And he explodes with joy. 
in that moment, he has overcome, um, yeah, the, the kind of the tatters of his personal life, um, a back injury, which apparently had written him off the sport for good. He had overcome, his career was over, it was declared over. And in that moment, you saw him explode with joy at the victory that he'd won. And I heard the commentators were saying, yeah, this, is not, this is not the kind of joy we normally see in Tiger Woods. I think he's normally much more composed and much more kind of media shy. And he just couldn't contain it. That joy exploded as he celebrated with his family. What is the primary emotion of victory? It's joy. It's joy. That's the joy the disciples feel in that moment, and it's ours too. As Christians, that should be our primary emotion, joy. Are you known as joyful? I'm not sure Christians are always known as the most joyful people out there. Joy should be our primary emotion. It is the currency of the kingdom. And not just because it's a nice emotion. <laughs> not just because it's nice to feel joyful. I'm not talking about happiness. Happiness changes depending on our circumstances, doesn't it? We're not always going to feel happy. That's a given. But joy is a spiritual weapon. It's a weapon in the battle against the enemy who would come and rob us of all joy. Of the world that robbed the disciples of the joy in the moment he died. Of the enemy that would rob us of all joy. He would rob us of all celebration, of all feasting, and of all dancing. Katya Adams, a well-known speaker, she says this, Joy is not frivolous. It is not irreverent. It is the most powerful tool in the battle, and it gives you a platform for breakthrough. Joy equals strength. Joy is the currency of the kingdom. It's what we've got, and not just because it's fun. Joy comes from living in the joy of the resurrection in the victory that Jesus has had, knowing that ultimately everything will be okay because Jesus has had the victory. Ultimately, everything will be okay. Jesus' death and victory on the cross. Joy is our weapon. It's the currency of the kingdom. Now, I've been on a bit of a journey with this in my own life. Um, Early this year, I just realized that I was living with way too much anxiety in my life. I can be a real worrier at times. I can really struggle with worry. Um, and I'm also a complete finisher. I like to get things done. And I realize those two things together can sometimes really rob me of joy in my life. Um, I've come to term it as, um, as kind of uh, the incomplete and the unknown. The incomplete and the unknown can rob me of joy in my life. Often in the present moment, I'm thinking, I'm worrying about something that could happen or thinking about something that should have happened that I need to do. And when we moved house last year, it kind of got to the point where I felt I was almost going to explode. I was feeling so anxious. And um, after, kind of after that time, I was reflecting on it. And I thought, Do you know what? That is just not living in all the fullness that Jesus has for me. That is not living in the victory that Jesus has, has had. There is more in my life. And so I started a, a six-month kind of spiritual formation course looking at that and looking at how I could experience more of the joy of Jesus in my life. For me, I've been on that process of finding joy in the moment, in the smallest things, you know, enjoying my kids, and the other day, it was a while ago, because it was um, icy on the car, and I was de-icing the car. And you know what it's like? You're trying to get out of the house, and you're just frantically trying to de-ice the car, and you're kind of, I'm late, and now I had to de-ice the car, and I hadn't allowed for this. I was de-icing the car, and then I just stopped for a minute. I saw my little boys in the back giggling their heads off as the car was being de-iced. For them, it was just a moment of pure joy. And I thought, you know what? You can rush on and stress about being late, or you can just enjoy the moment, their moment of joy, and let you, you know, I kind of took it from, I took it as well. So yeah, this is fun, isn't it? Enjoying those moments, choosing to celebrate even the little things in life, not just moving on to the next thing. Do you know, I'll tell you something, there will always be a reason not to celebrate. 
There will, you can always find a reason not to celebrate the little things in life. There will always be a reason why you shouldn't. But do you know what? Joy is a spiritual weapon. It's the currency of the kingdom. It comes from the victory of the resurrection. Celebrate even the smallest triumphs in your life. Celebrate them. Find a reason to be joyful. And do you know what? The biggest joy of all is that Jesus invites us into a life of restoration with him. Jesus invites us into a life of restoration with him. You know, once he's been with the disciples, he then, it says in verse 22, he says, um, he says he breathes on them and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. In the interest of time, I'm not going to read it out now, but in Ephesians, we find that it says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, he gives to us in the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about going and being kingdom carriers in our city, of rewriting stories, of seeing God move in this city and beyond. And we do that in the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. It's the same power. It's not a lesser power. It's the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. That's what it means to be a kingdom carrier. And we've been using this language of rewriting stories of lives changed by Jesus. Do you know these are victory stories? That's what they are, of stories rewritten. I wanted just to share one um, that came in this week, just in finishing, just to close with a victory story of what the resurrection means. And this came from uh, Pete Spears, um, and he emailed this in. He said this, What an amazing afternoon I've had. I went to meet Chris and Naomi in Starbucks, Bridgend, and they got baptized back in in December. They brought their friend Rachel along with them, who was visiting from Blackpool. Chris and Naomi were sharing with me how they were struggling with their faith and feeling isolated from Christian community at the moment and also struggling with their health. I prayed, this is in Starbucks, I prayed and invited the Holy Spirit to come and minister to them. The Holy Spirit fell. Chris's hands began to burn and sweat to the point that they were wet. Now, I remembered some some recent teaching I'd heard about healing, and I knew that Rachel, their friend, was experiencing some health problems. So I got Chris to lay his hands on Rachel, and the Holy Spirit began to fall on her. She'd been struggling with mental health, and we started speaking joy over her. You hear that? We started speaking joy over her. Then we all began laughing. She experienced the Holy Spirit for the first time. Jesus was knocking on the door of her heart, and we were able to lead her into a new relationship with Jesus. He has the victory. The Holy Spirit really can come anywhere, even in Starbucks. (laughs) I'm speechless. Such fun. Praise God. More Lord. It's amazing, isn't it? Jesus has the victory, and he invites us into the battle with him this morning. Joy is our weapon. He has the victory. So it's Easter Sunday. Let's remember that. Let's rejoice together. Today, if you feel anything, go home rejoicing in the victory that Jesus has had. When we stand, I'd love just to pray.